Hi, everybody. Hey, everyone. I'm Holly. I'm Daniel. And this is Halfway Saints, episode 11. Mm-hmm. We're happy you're here. We're, we're happy to be here. Yeah. I almost answered for them. I'm happy to be here, though. <laughs> I'm glad. Yeah. Uh, but we're sitting down to record on Good Shepherd Sunday. Uh-huh. Which is one of my favorite Sundays. <laughs> it's a good Sunday. I don't know if I could pick favorites, but... Oh, well, I really love the Good Shepherd. Um, is that a discourse? Yeah. Sure. You could say that. Um, I just really love uh, the imagery with sheep, and especially with Jesus as our Good Shepherd, um, mostly because it has to do with sheep, because I love them, and I love wool, which mm. is why I get to work with wool for my job. Yay. Which is awesome. They don't really mention sheep in the Good Shepherd. I mean, he does um, a little bit. It's the part they read for Mass, it doesn't. Yeah, Because it, it talks about the sheep gate and all that before the reading today. No, but he says, like, I know my sheep, my sheep know me, and the other right. hired hand, and sh- it just didn't, sheep, sheep, sheep. <laughs> it didn't, it didn't get into it. a couple times. But before that, it talks more about shepherding specifically and the sheep gate. And I know, and it's the whole, it's not just sheep that I like, it's the whole thing. I know, but I was saying at Mass, they leave out the technical sheep stuff. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I like it anyway. Okay, fine. You can like it. <laughs> um, and I apologize. This is the third week that we've been a little sniffly and coughing yeah. and stuff. We think allergies we, are We think we us. have allergies. Neither of us had allergies before, but mm-hmm. getting old, mm-hmm. falling apart, getting allergies. That poor little Jack has got allergies, uh, too. Oh, he has, like, a constant stream of boogers. It's disgusting. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It's... <laughs> We could go on, but we shouldn't. But we won't. <laughs> um, but we're <clears throat> glad to be back. Glad to have everyone here with us. We got mm-hmm. um, a good bit of feedback last mm-hmm. week. Um, and it's just nice. A couple people emailed us and just said, um, you know, I really enjoy the podcast. Thanks for doing it. And um, for us, it's really big because we want this to be kind of a communal thing and to know that there's a community out there mm-hmm. for this podcast. So Because, like we've said in our podcast about podcasts, that um, like it was a really great source of community for us, and so we would love to build this community um, through this podcast. So um, just keep sending in your emails uh, and let us know who you are, what you're doing while you're listening, and um, we can be friends. We can be real friends. Yeah, and it's just good for us to know that when we're recording, we know that Brianna's listening to us, mm-hmm. and Sarah's listening to us, and Joaquin is listening to us. Yeah. We didn't get an email from Joaquin. I was I like, okay. <laughs> There's some guy named Joaquin listening who's just like, <gasps> how'd they know? How'd they know? <laughs> I hope so. Um, I hope so. Joaquin, if you're out there, We know about know. you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we had very different approaches to that. Uh, but no, I mean, seriously, we really do love hearing from you guys. And um, we do want to help build community even through a virtual world um mm-hmm. but hey yeah and welcome to anyone who's just starting to listen or this is mm-hmm. the second episode um we in our first episode we did introductions and kind of told a little bit, a little bit about ourselves here so if you're curious to know who we are that's a good one to yeah definitely start with number one mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, some people might not want to go back because we do have a, this is our 11th episode I know, this is a pretty so big catalog many. 
No, but the first one we do a couple of introductions. I think we like stumble through it a little bit more, but I think I think we do that most of the time. Pretty much every time, you know. But yeah, yeah. So welcome, 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 <laughs> welcome all, all. All are welcome. Because <laughs> we sit here alone in our basement. Yeah. Not the cat's not even here this time. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I found it. She's here. She's outside. She's outside. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. <laughs> All right, maybe we should get to the topic. Maybe. Um, you can introduce it. Oh, I thought you were going to introduce it because you had a plan. Okay. <laughs> I'm not good at my plan tonight. I like, yeah, anyway. So, tonight we want to talk about, or today, whenever you're listening, um, we want to talk about the physicality of the church. In that the church recognizes both the spiritual realm, sure, sure, and the material world that Jesus is and God is revealed through. Sorry, when you said realm, I, I just finished up my master's thesis like a month ago, and in it I talk a lot about the physical world and the spiritual realm. Yeah, and I like ran out of synonyms so quick. I was like, <laughs> the physical world, the realm physicalness <laughs> the natural world it yeah well i'm, I'm so actually, i'm not a good source for synonyms <coughs> for realm <coughs> oh i'm so sorry that was gross it was gross um holly has a really bad cough if you haven't i don't it's it's like that all the time like she has tuberculosis mm-hmm. but doctors think i'm faking it yeah i don't smoke I, I don't know why it sounds like that so yeah. i apologize so we're just bringing some physicality to this with the yeah hacking exactly this is all of us, cough. you know, complete. Um, but with the Catholic Church, and we didn't explicitly say this last week with our um, talk about natural family planning within marriage, um, but I like to say it here, that with the Catholic Church, you could pretty much just start at the question, who is Jesus? And, like, as you dive into that, you get to her t- the church's teachings. So, like, who is Jesus? fruitful, open, giving abundantly, um, you know, free and expressive and mm-hmm. all that kind of ties into our subject last week. But also, um, for this week, who is Christ? He is both man and God. Right. And everything, it can be kind of, it cannot be clear at times, but everything the church does and teaches focuses on the person of Christ and who yes. he was and what he did and what he accomplished. And really, if you look at anything, like you said, that's what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. So all of our understandings start with Jesus. And so when we look at Jesus as both man and God, there are two different um, parts of him. And uh, he became flesh from the spirit. Right? Yes. Yeah. He's okay. there in Christ there are two natures in one person. Yeah, nature. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so it makes sense that we acknowledge things of the flesh. Which for me, um, coming into the church as a Protestant, um, was difficult for me to ga- grasp. Um, because before my conversion there's no real um acknowledgement of the flesh except that uh the things of the flesh which mostly was tied to sex were bad and so you should reject the flesh and focus on your spirit and all the things that are of the spirit are eternal and all the things that are flesh are 
finite. Um, mm-hmm. And so things of the world, things of the flesh, fleeting things were bad. Um, and that they should, like, be avoided, mm-hmm. most definitely. And that's, like, some of the early heresies, like the Gnostics, that was kind of their, their thing. Oh, Holly wrote Gnosticism. In right here. So she was going to get there. She wasn't. <laughs> oh no, gosh. I'm just kidding. You were. But yeah, the Gnostics were all about the spirit, um, among other things. But one of the things where they were like, deny the body, it's all about the spirit. Mm-hmm. And that's like from very the very early church that's been kind of a competing voice with the church saying, no, no, just worry about your spirit. The right. body's bad. Which it's hard because um, when you think about that, you're missing out on like this whole other. Dude, the whole of life pretty right. much as we experience it. Right. So, um, my understanding was that actual things were bad. So, like, icons, images, anything that could be considered, in, like, even remotely considered an idol was completely rejected. So, all things. And I remember even hearing the question, like, can the is the Bible an idol? Which, like, if you're getting to that point, that's... Take a step back. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, the Bible... It's the word. It's, there's a lot there. I'm not gonna get. Into I mean, it, I think it certainly like, can be idolized in a way, but just the fact of them, whoever they may be asking, is it okay to physically love this book or physic? You know, like right. have an, an attachment to these words to what's right. in here. And they're always definitely like, no, like we do not. As Catholics, we do not worship those actual things. We worship the the God who's behind them. Mm-hmm. But the beauty is that they represent that and they help us get into a deeper prayer life. And the best way I've heard it explained is like if you carry um, a picture of your family or your mom or your parents in your wallet, like you're not attached to that piece of paper. It's you love the image that is there because that's your parents and you love You're reminded of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know. But you can't fit an icon in your wallet. So you gotta put it on a wall. Prayer cards. Prayer cards you can. Hey. Yeah. Um... So that was my understanding before becoming Catholic, and um, I always was kind of just like, I was kind of okay with it, but wasn't fully satisfied, I guess is where I was. Um, but I loved that once I became Catholic that I, or that the church acknowledged that Christ uh, revealed things to us through things. Mm-hmm. Through matter. Through matter. Matter. Um while he was here and that he used creation and used our surroundings and what we could grasp which were material things to reveal himself to us mm-hmm. and the what is the incarnation if not using our senses to help us to know God better mm-hmm. um, and the idea that I mean God was a thing to start with like, like what you just said like he became man so he became right. a thing. Christ was a thing. Yeah. He was... You, you said God would be a thing. Oh, God, yeah. the Father, Christ. was uncreated. Jesus yeah. Christ. Yes. As a man. As a man. He was a thing. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you're stuck with the question, like, is this an idol or is this not an idol? Think about, like, if Christ is standing before you, he is a thing. I don't know. He is a physical person that you should worship. Right. So that, yeah, like that so, kind of explodes that argument that exactly. anything physical um, it's bad is bad. and is an idol. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, he was... He became matter. He had the same 
He had cells and organs and took up space. What does it have to be to be matter? Has to, to like, occupy space. space. Occupy space, I think, right? I thought there was another one. I don't know. I was I know, not into seventh, science. Seventh grade science class is failing me. But so just this week, I... Um, Has mass and takes up space. There you go. that's what it is. Okay. Okay, so Daniel, whenever he... Um, Daniel's great and so smart. <laughs> I was just talking. You're a butt coming. No, no, no. This is oh. not. No, I was just talking with friends <clears throat> last week because we were saying how smart Daniel is. Daniel wasn't in the conversation. We were just saying how smart he is. And Daniel, if he doesn't know something, he has to know it. So he will look it up and then probably get lost in a Wikipedia black hole. And the wonderful thing about Daniel is that he just remembers everything. So if he doesn't know it, he figures it out and then he remembers it. Which is the exact opposite of me. <laughs> but once he remembers it, Daniel and I always joke that he has them all filed away in all these folders. So whenever he's trying to remember with uh, things, he just needs time to sift through all of the folders. No, because that's how memory works. Like, it's not like, it's actually not like a file folder. It's like, um, it's almost like a series of hyperlinks. Like your body re- or your mind remembers things sort of spatially. So like, if you're trying to remember a song... You go through memories you have associated with that song. So you say, right. oh, I used to listen to that song this summer. So you think about that summer, and this is the cars I'm driving. To. Oh, and that's the song. Oh. So there is a process to it. Well, isn't that... Isn't that um... No, you just can't remember anything. <laughs> <laughs> you, you never made those connections. No, I have strange connections. That's the problem. Anyway. That's, okay. We're getting too far into memory <laughs> talk. But... It's wonderful that Daniel remembers everything. So he just was making... I could see the hamster rolling up there. <laughs> he made all the connections and remembered it was mass and taking up space. From well, that's what I think. I might be wrong. Yeah, that's possible too, but okay. you're probably right. Who knows? I say you're right. Okay. Um, but so this just this past week, um, I was kind of dealing with this like little bit of doubt, which was not not good for me to deal with. Um. And so I was asking the question, I was like spending time uh, before the Lord in in a holy hour, and I was just trying to like work through the question, why must the the bread and wine transform into the body and blood of Christ? Like, why is this the way that it is? Um, Why is it not just his presence within it? Why is it not just a symbol of him? Why is it, you know, the question that all, like, anti-Catholic people say, or anti-Eucharist, you know? Um, And that's not to say that I was, like, you know, just doubt sets in every now and then, or you just have questions. I I actually didn't doubt it. I just had a lot of questions. You were wondering why this particular mode is used for it. Why isn't it, you know, why is it in essence the body and blood of christ but in its um appearance is still bread and wine yeah like why is it that way instead of just here's bread why is it not just bread and wine why isn't it isn't its essence all of it yeah you know so like Mm -hmm. why isn't it why is it also his actual like in what do you say essence and what accidents is the term yeah yeah. aquinas um but why are, his, are the accidents of the bre- bread and wine his body and blood? No, the, the essences, the accidents remain. 
Okay, then what? Okay, sorry. I understand. Sorry, why is it? Why isn't it both? Or why is it one versus the other? Right. Yeah. Why is? Yeah. I think I've made myself clear. I apologize. I, we'll see. <laughs> I hope so. So I was just um, dealing with that, but it's because I came to the conclusion that it's because that's who Christ is. That he does everything that he, like, he does everything and reveals himself in every way, like, a bajillion percent. Right. He does everything fully. So when he, when the bread and wine become his body and blood, he, he is all of it. He fulfills exactly. it. Exactly. And everything but appearance. So, like, why not? That's what the thing that kept coming to me, like, well, why not? Why would he stop at just right? Why filling his presence with bread and wine why would he not transform it you know Mm -hmm. um but the biggest thing that hit me with that (coughs) for me to conclude it was that most of all we know this is the body and blood because we experience it because we take it and we feel it within us and god reveals to us that this is him body and blood in an intimate encounter with him through the eucharist And so that's the way that he reveals himself to us through the Eucharist and also through the way that he reveals himself to us through matter. Mm -hmm. And that, like, we just experience him through this life on earth that we have. Right. And whenever I kind of am thinking, like, well, doesn't the idea of the Eucharist, like, isn't that ridiculous? I kind of just think, like, it's just as ridiculous as God becoming a person. Yeah. You know, like, if you kind of balk at saying oh this thing became this matter became god well then like how do you you have to like reconsider well then how did a person become god you know right like matter the fact is that god became sensible matter on earth Mm -hmm. and continues to do so through the eucharist right and it's kind of like um those two things are together it's not so separate and I, I mean, it's, like, the incarnation is such a, like, summit of everything that, like, he, he made himself known to us in a way that we could understand, in a way that he was able to relate to us and experience, like, we were able to experience him in a, a world. In, in a sensible a, way. Yeah, sensible. Mm-hmm. Um, and so today, I mean, he... He still uses those senses in the sensory um, experience to reveal himself. And so before I had completely shut that off and I had completely said, like, the, that's all fleeting and that's nothing uh, significant. But there's so much there. Like, uh, we just went to a, a wedding last night of our friend Julius and Don. Shout out to them. Congratulations. Though, They're probably think, not listening. <laughs> probably on their honeymoon. Probably. Um... But it was a ex- uh, Latin mass wedding, so it was in the extraordinary form. And the priest during the homily said that the Latin mass is, uh, it's like mass in 3D. He said it's like praying in 3D, which I thought was a very... Me too. Yeah. Uh, and so just thinking about that same like terminology, like uh, the Catholic way of understanding the world as both physical and spiritual, it's mm-hmm. like living in 3D. Yeah. You know, That's like... True. If you're only focused on the spiritual, there's that's just only one one dimension. Mm-hmm. And so whenever you bring in the spiritual, or whenever you bring in the physical to that, it becomes three dimensions. 
So it was in one dimension. How do you do? I'm not. I'm smiling because this is like the point of my master's thesis. Did you know that going into it? No. Oh. Then I'm reading it. Okay. No. Do I you mean, make that point in the conclusion? That's kind of the whole. Well, yeah. It's the whole point of chapter two. Tell me how. Because the one writer in Radcliffe focuses on like the rational and the the point the whole point of it is yeah. you can't read Florian O'Connor without considering the spiritual dimension. Yeah. So if you look at the yeah. action in their stories as being solely physical, then they don't look make sense and they seem weird. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you I just it's not I that thought that's I did. why you're bringing it up. No. Okay. I just like put I just made the connection hmm. in my head after that little re review. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. 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 So I think we should expand upon that a little bit. That Daniel's thesis he just finished uh was on Flannery O'Connor mm-hmm. and how she relates to the gothic world or gothic gothic genre of literature mm-hmm. and through a catholic lens. Right. So can you uh say like your your big point there from from your thesis from the whole thing? Yeah, to say, like, Flannery O'Connor is often read as a very violent and un... Right, so her stories, if you haven't read her... If you haven't read her, stop and go read some of her stuff. <laughs> She's really great. But um, her fiction usually has, um, like, a very violent, very physical aspect to it, and that puts off a lot of people, because... And it's not overtly Catholic or Christian. Like, sometimes she'll read a story and, like, come to the end and be like, oh, that person was brutally murdered, and then it ends... <laughs> Um, so the point of the thesis is that it's not, um, it's not just blood and guts and she's not just weird when you read her stuff with an understanding, with a sacramental understanding of the world, you see that there's this whole other aspect to her, to her writing. So now we've bored everyone with I know, that. you always think it's boring, but it's so interesting. Uh, okay. It is. All right. I promise. Um, another thing that I wanted to say about the physicality and spirituality of the church is that um, I love, like, in the same way with Flannery O'Connor, like, she hits you with things that make you uncomfortable to kind mm-hmm. of, like, shock you out of this understanding and to um, kind of awaken you to a different way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that the, the church does not shy away from uncomfortable things especially when dealing with physicality um, and dealing with, like, martyrs and the way they died. Before you get that, oh, okay. to that, I know where you're going with that, but I wanted okay. to mention when you're talking about the incarnation and how yeah. important that is, I was thinking about the moments in Mass when we kneel, and it's during the consecration. We also bow during the creed when we mention the incarnation. Hmm. And in the Latin Mass during the last gospel, which is um, from the first chapter of the Gospel of John, we kneel at the words, and the word became flesh. Mm. So, like, the church puts the incarnation in the forefront it of does. your mind. And through our actions and physically, like, when I, you hear God became man, or you, you know, you're present for um, Christ becoming present in the Eucharist, like, we have a physical reaction to that. We kneel down, we worship and give praise to mm-hmm. um and I love Christ. that, being able to to participate in Mass in a physical way through kneeling at a point. Like, I love to envision when the consecration is happening and we are kneeling that the king, like, I just love the imagery of Christ the king. 
Mm-hmm. That's been really, like, this whole year, I've been really, like, reflecting on Christ the King. Um, <coughs> excuse me. And so when we kneel before the King, I just think that's such a powerful image. And that's what, like, genuflection is. Like, you do right. that to the higher up. Right. It's just so cool. And then we get to stand and, like, we just get to, with our bodies, we get to worship the Lord. Mm-hmm. Not just with our voices, but also with our bodies, which is just really cool. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean, I just didn't want to. No, we no, it's fine. Don't worry. Circle back. You're talking about relics. And yeah. And you love them. Yeah. Well, and I, was, I said martyrs. Oh. You took a step further to say relics, which okay. I do well, love relics. Yes. They're really cool. Especially, we were just reflecting to yesterday about the true the relic of the true cross mm-hmm. because we have at our parish we have a piece of the cross that christ was crucified on right there on the altar on the side altar on the side altar <laughs> so that means that when this that's sitting there and then that means whenever the eucharist is brought up that at they're like reconnected <laughs> for the that's just insane. Yeah, like we have a physical reminder of what is being um, revisited, represented right. in, but in like, the mass. But he's like lifting up the body that was crucified on that cross right there. Yeah. It just blows my mind. <laughs> it's so cool. It's so cool. It is. Every time I try to explain that, I just say, so you have the Eucharist in one, like, and I show in one hand, she's, and I'm yeah, doing it right now. a lot of hand movements. And she my ha- fingers she holding has an a sp- open palm, and then, like, she's, like, pinching. Because it's a splinter of the cross. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I just mush them together, because mm-hmm. that's, and then my, my I put my hand to my head and say, Pfft, Yeah. Because my brain explodes. <laughs> uh, we should be on TV instead of <laughs> I don't. <podcasts. laughs> I don't know if that's a great idea. <laughs> just kidding. I'm going to be in my pajamas. No. <laughs> um, yeah, but I love that the church doesn't shy away from, like, the the grittiness. And that same with Flatt- Flannery O'Connor. What? Why are you smiling That's, at me? No, the, <clears throat> in the conclusion of my thesis, I make the same point. <laughs> this is really funny. I know. You should just read my thesis. I'm almost there. Okay. I'm on chapter three. Okay. Oh, man. But, um, yeah, because... For every fixed altar, so like an altar in a parish that's there, it's not movable or not, you know, like a wooden one that, or, you know, that's in a side chapel or something like that. Um, there should be a um, relic underneath the altar. And it's, um, sh- it's o- it ought to be a piece that's identifiable as part of a human body. So it should be like a full finger bone or that's a finger. That's so weird. It is weird, but that's... It's so cool. It's been, yeah, like the reason we do that is from the uh, times of the early church, they would celebrate mass in the catacombs on the tombs of the martyrs. Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's always been a part of the church. It's just so cool. And that we, I didn't even have this in my notes, but that we recognize the resurrection of the body. Mm-hmm. Which at first for me was like, I was just a little confused about the teaching um, that we had, that we, our bodies will, huh, in the end of days, mm-hmm. our bodies will also be resurrected. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like you have a good grasp of it. I don't know. 
Why you're struggling? But I was struggling just because um, the idea of our body being resurrected. It's like, well, why? Like, in it isn't it decomposed? Like, mm-hmm. you know, there are like all those like logistical questions. But like, well, how does that work? Logi- they they have to get a, a consultant in. Like, <laughs> let's work out the logistics of this resurrection. <laughs> um, but yeah, it just was like confusing. But there are so many other things that make the resurrection of the body make sense. Yeah, well, what a human is, is a body and a soul. Like, we're not... We're not angels. We're not angels. Angels are only spiritual beings, you know? We're not uh, animals who don't have a rational soul or rocks, which don't have, you know, any kind of soul. We're... What makes us human is having a body and a soul. And when your body and soul are separated, you're dead. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, what happens. So those are both integral parts of your person. And that's how God created us. We're not like these souls who are trapped in these fleshy bodies that just can't wait to get out. Like, no, your your body is you. Mm-hmm. And there has to be a balance between the two. You can't say, like, I'm just a body or I'm just a soul. Like, right. it's the integration of the two. That can lead you to, like, living in 3D. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> uh um, so I also wanted to reflect on the fact that, like, after I've come to this realization, um, it's just, it just has really opened up a huge, a, a whole new world of praise and, um, of understanding the Lord. I've gotten to know God so much deeper through understanding, the understanding of things and understanding of, um, the Eucharist and through, uh, like I was saying, like, he's revealed so much to me and just like the kneeling before him and plus also all of the um the images in the um traditions of the church like I love to reflect on um you know images of Mary of course but also on like uh church architecture and like what does that speak to and like what does that mean because absolutely everything within the mass like your surroundings and their clothing and the little weird umbrella that's um in the cathedral yeah <laughs> that all means something and it's all like when you research what it is it's awesome mm-hmm. i don't remember what the little umbrella is it's um i think they're only in basilicas because something with like basilicas are connected to the pope so if the pope visits they open the umbrella and they like but there's like something with authority though i mean the bishop's chair is in the cathedral I think it's the chair that I'm thinking of, yeah. yeah. That th- his authority, like, that represents his authority mm-hmm. from what? Is as, there... a, as a successor of the apostles. But why is it a chair? Why oh, because it it's chair? like a throne. It's like a source okay. of authority. Yeah. And so that's why, like, a deacon's chair has to be smaller than the priest's chair. Than the priest, yeah. When they're celebrating Mass, right. the celebrant's chair is always the biggest one. And then the bishop's chair is usually elevated and above rest so fun (laughs) it is but it's uh like a sensible reminder of like the order of things and Mm -hmm. it goes against our sort of like american egalitarian democratic tendencies like how dare you put this kind of well it also you could also say you know christ appeared at a certain chronological time and picked certain individuals to have loving friendships with like Mm -hmm. 
God was friends with someone and not us, you know, like he was yeah. physically friends with someone and, you know, St. John like laid down on his chest, you know, like he chose individuals for that honor. He chose people especially for a certain thing. Mm-hmm. So like that meant that others were not held in such high regard mm-hmm. as those uh, 12 disciples. So, right. But the way it works is all of those people should be filled with Christ's love and disseminate that throughout mm-hmm. those physically around mm-hmm. them. So it's not like you're getting a, a raw deal, but it's just this person had a particular grace. Exactly. But anyway, but there are also physical reminders e- even in our churches of, yeah. of that. That was a great point. Don't disregard it. That like... <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to disregard it. <laughs> but the, just the fact of, like, reading through Acts, especially now in the Easter season, you see how the church really was laid out and how the church today follows the same model, like voting for a new apostle and vote, like... Well, they drew lots back then. For Matthias? Yeah. It's between Matthias and um, Barnabas? Yeah. I think so. Yeah, and they draw they draw lots. I didn't realize that they draw, they draw just, lots, but they still, just, like, were choosing between two. Well, the church has the authority to set how mm-hmm. it's done, and that was how they did things back then. Mm-hmm. Like, voting now, we think of as, like, the best way to decide thing. They're like, let's draw lots. Yeah. Works for them. Um, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I love that, and, um, love, like, looking into those things, I would never have I never would have learned all of that if it weren't for um, looking into things about mass at the cathedral or um, things about the bishop's authority or anything like that. Like it all traces back to the apo- the first apostles and to Jesus. Which right. Is just really and it all leads back to the person of Christ and the incarnation. Like why does he get the biggest chair? Like oh, he's a successor to the apostles. The apostles were individually chosen by Christ. They knew him. They like had an intimate friendship with him. And he's God who came down to it. You know, like it all yeah, goes yeah. back to that. And it's, it's it is mind blowing. So it's, it's grown my understanding of him into this like whole different spectrum because there's just so much, so much there. Cause God is so, there's so much to <laughs> there know. Is. Uh, um, and it also, I make, I make objects for my work. And so it just brought, brought that work to a higher level and to say that like for a while there I was you know what does it mean that I'm making things and like am I just adding to this materialistic world um you know how do I reconcile that but then now it's understanding like I'm contributing to beauty which beauty reflects God and so I'm bringing beauty into the world where people might not be exposed to that Mm-hmm. It might bring people to a deeper prayer life or it might bring people to a deeper understanding of like how to connect with things into understanding that it's made it's handmade by a person and that's made with uh, material wool <laughs> that reflects the lamb and um, the shepherd. Yeah, and it's God um, allows us to perceptively experience him through you know because the way he chose to communicate <coughs> with us and to also, bring about our redemption was to physically come here and he he created us to understand the way that like he created us to perceive, perceive things 
in a certain way. Right. He gave us eyeballs and ears and, like, gave us the ability to taste and to feel and to see things. So how would he not use those things to ex- explain himself to us, yeah. reveal himself to that us? Makes sense. And, the, uh, again, this probably doesn't need to be said, but there's also an error in relying too much on the physical and forgetting that you have a soul as well. And, oh, for sure. Um, That's I where think, we get into the fleeting. Right. And like with everything in the church, there's, you always have to apply moderation and prudence and you can't, and you can enjoy the physical aspect of your life. Like you can have friends and you can drink wine and you can have sex and those are good things, but they must be enjoyed in the correct way and, you know, in correct proportion to Mm -hmm. what else is, is going on. Because we are called to live life as humans, as physical beings, but we're called to live it um, in the fullest meaning in so much as our will is attuned to God's will. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. You're supposed to be a human in the way God wants you to be a human. Not in any other way. And I, um, another point I want to make real quick is that in the sacraments, which are moments throughout our lives where we experience God's grace in a specific way. Um, so in baptism or in the Eucharist, they sacraments all must have um, form and matter. There always has to be matter involved with a sacrament. So with baptism, the matter is um, the water and um, I guess the person could be part of the matter. I guess you can't baptize nothing. <laughs> so the person in the water and the form is the Trinitarian baptism formula you know like baptize your name the Holy Spirit Spirit. Um, and with the Eucharist the matter is the bread and the wine the form is the Eucharistic prayer and um, the consecration Um, so and with all the sacraments there has to be matter there you know there's no um, purely spiritual you know like non-physical sacrament what is the what's marriage marriage is the the people. The people, right. right. And then the vows the between the two is the form. Uh, you have to yeah. say, will you do this? I will. Yeah. Hmm. So we, the church reminds us constantly that um, Christ became incarnate. He became a physical person. And this is how he chose to reveal himself to us. And he has redeemed all of creation. Like God made the world. Like that's another thing that people are sometimes like trying to like shut the world out. Like get the world away from me, that's bad, that's going to lead me to sin. It's possible if you... If you if use you it incorrectly. use it incorrectly, it can. But also God God made the world. He understands what's going on. Um, and, you know, when we are resurrected, um, there's going to be paradise on earth, and that it's going to be restored. Um, so God is redeeming creation as well. It's not like... Yeah. It's not like it's all snakes and thorns. You know, like, it's he created the garden. We're working toward that. And that's something that I've understood just within the past year or two, that, like, uh, through through Easter and through the resurrection, he, he redeemed the whole world. Mm-hmm. Not just humans, but, like, the whole world. Creation was redeemed. Mm-hmm. Which is awesome. Right. Huge. It doesn't look like it that, that way. No, but it's true. That sometimes, but but yeah, all of humanity is redeemed, but not everyone acts that way. 
No, but I was meaning like creation as in like land. Right. I was just saying someone might say, oh, it doesn't look redeemed. No. But I would say to them, well, look at you. You wouldn't say mankind has not been redeemed. No. But it also does things incorrectly. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah. So is that it? Anything else? Uh, That's all my notes. We're done mining for the night. Yeah, no more gems. No more gems. Mm-hmm. Do you mine gems? Yeah. Do you find them? I found them I in a creek once. Them. No, where is that place? Hidden Night, North Carolina? We yeah. go out in the creek and find gemstones. The creek? No, that's screen. panning. Oh. This yeah. you just go in the creek, there'd be rocks in it. <laughs> <laughs> I think they would put them out there. I'm about to say, yeah, their workers just go out in the morning, drop some rocks in the thing. No, I found an emerald, or what I thought was an emerald. Mm. It's tiny. It's like this big. I think I found some pieces of aquamarine in there. Wow. You never went on a field trip? No, I did, but oh. we always did panning. Yes. Yeah, we only ever did panning. Oh, that's no fun. No. You just sift through, sift through I mean, some it, dirt. It's actually more fun than it sounds. Uh, it's It sounds more fun than the finding things in a creek. Than splashing around a creek? No, you gotta, like, dig for this stuff. You gotta, like, really look for it. Yeah, it's not Yours fun. Yours was just like, ooh, what about an emerald? I know. I think that's more fun. <laughs> No, you gotta work for it. You can get some suffering. All right. All we're right. a little well, delirious. Yeah, we're, we had a long weekend. I was telling one of my coworkers, they're asking like what I was doing this weekend, and I said, "Oh, we have a wedding." And I was like, "We can pretty much only plan one thing per weekend. Uh-huh. That's about it." Other than that, we're we're done. Yeah. But and podcasting. Of course. Of course. Always podcasting. Time. Um, but yeah, I think that's it. That's all we got today. Thank you for. Listen to us, mm-hmm. getting all the way through, not turning us off halfway through. Oh, I hope people don't do that. No, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> but um, do email us uh, at halfwaysaintspodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Find us on Facebook uh, and on Twitter, Twitter, halfway underscore saints. And we would really love to hear from you and grow the community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let us know you're listening. Mm-hmm. And we're praying for you, and we hope everyone has a great week. Bye. Bye, everyone.